Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Okay, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure presented by Bet Online. Ted Robinson, Michael Molinari, Yogi Roth, produced by Tanner Pierce. It's World Cup time. Let's go U.S. We advance to the next round. Unfortunately, you guys advance to the next sports. You're calling basketball games, but I'm heading to Vegas in a couple of days, so we got to come, come on. on. Yeah. You know, the sad part is, is that I, I really believe this, and it's unfortunate, um, is that, again, the structure of the sport right now, the champ games have very little meaning. Very little meaning. And they're, they're moneymakers for the conferences. They're great moneymakers, and that they won't change, I'm guessing, as long as that's the case. But, I mean, you look at the Big Ten games, a joke. Um, you know, the, the the Big 12 game means something because TCU, just like USC in Pac-12, I mean, they need to win to confirm their places. I don't know that they need to win to guarantee. I think it's a difference to me. Yeah. We'll talk about that, yo, because this is your specialty, but I think they both need to win to confirm okay. their places. Um, but what's happened in the sport with this now, that this new portal Palooza date, thank you, McG, that coaching changes go crazy now, and it just overshadows what was supposed to be a big week, this championship week. And quite bluntly, have schools that you're not sure about. Um, you know, and a lot of people in this conference think Washington is more deserving of the spot in the champ game some arcane, ridiculous tiebreaker thing that wind up having to come into effect here puts Utah in. But then the CFP ranks Utah ahead of Washington, which I scratched my head over, and I normally don't care about that stuff, as you guys know. So anyway, the whole thing is I, I hope that they get this expansion of the playoff thing settled and because it will eliminate a lot of what I just talked about. Yep. You, I, you decide, you, as you were finishing, I was going to say, go to 12 and none of this matters. And Right now, we're still in the the world that some people think makes college football, I guess the word is charming, in that the media and the computers decide way too much. And we need to expand. It's This year proves more than ever we need to expand. So yeah. let's just get it done. It, it's interesting. I, it sounds like it's reported that the Rose Bowl has kind of a drop-dead date of like, hey, let us know how we're going to proceed here because we're going to proceed with you or without you. So that's kind of a compelling case in terms of that sounds like it's the lone roadblock, at least publicly that is remaining to make this CFP expand for 2024. So let's hope that happens in the next couple of days. I think that'll be a, a huge element to this. Um, and what, what I hope happens this week is that TCU and SC win. Sorry, Utah fans. But the reason I want that to happen is that, the playoff just looks different. There's different colors. There's different uniforms, different helmets. Like, let's do that. Let's see, because there's different styles of play all across the country. And, you know, I've been lighting up Alabama lately, and I get they got two tight losses. Lately? <laughs> but they haven't looked. I've rubbed off on you. you. <laughs> <laughs> but they haven't looked the part all year, right? Like, it's not like they're dominant. I'd say the same thing. The last thing that we remember from Ohio State is, them getting rolled seven yards per carry against Michigan. They haven't looked the part, at least as of late. Now, I get what they did prior to that, and they rolled everybody, uh, but they don't have ranked wins other than Penn State. So I, I, I'd i love to see these two teams hold serve this week. Uh, curious what everyone thinks. If you're interested in that game, you can check it out at Bet Online. Basketball, of course, is back, but football is remaining. Bet Online will be your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. It's your continued source for all sports wagering information, live betting, free contests, and of course, giveaways. It's fast, it's easy. You can bet on everything. You bet on the championship game. So just go to betonline.ag to join. 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Please use the promo code Believe, B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's start there. Ted, the game on Friday. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's a different situation than the game they played in October. Yeah. Uh, I think the bigger question for me, especially coming off what we just saw Saturday, is you know how healthy is Utah, especially Dalton Kincaid, who we saw make a just an acrobatic, marvelous catch and didn't come back in the game afterwards. So, uh, you know, after his they have sixteen catches, I think, in the first game. Um, yeah. 
let's put it this way. I think I've referenced it with you during the game uh, Saturday. Certainly, I referenced it with Michael during our our cruise celebration Friday night. And uh, thank you, Jim at at Boulders and uh, the Marriott Boulder. Jim was unbelievable, stalwart. Um, but you know, Utah. How important is Dalton Kincaid? Where would Utah's wide receivers play on the USC team? I mean, that's just the the wide disparity of difference you're talking about how they have to attack the game, right? USC, as we said, comes with you with waves of wide receivers. Utah's wide receivers are just not a strength, and they're not going to be. So you know, how can Utah – remarkably, they scored 43 points against USC in the game at Salt Lake City. You know, Can they do that again? Drew Pine, who had struggled against a lot of uh, – a lot of schools this year, 23 of 26, even though USC won the game last weekend, Drew Pine, 23 of 26 passing, you know, and that was with Gentry back, by the way, first game he played, what, in five or six weeks. So anyway, that, um, you know, I just, it, it, it likely figures to me to be a different game than the one they played in Salt Lake City. And Cam Rising, who I don't know, I don't think had overall a sparkling year, he was utterly brilliant. I mean, in the biggest game of the year for Utah, he was fabulous. And he, to me, was the difference in that game. I think I think Cam Rising is going to be the difference. His mobility and his elusiveness, does he still – I think he might be a, still a little bit banged up. You talk about the health. I think mm-hmm. – think of the last two plays of that game. He scores <clears throat> yeah. on a design run, and then the two-pointer was a, a pass that he saw an opening and ran it in. And I think – Cam Rising's probably become a little less mobile due to health. And Caleb Williams is still the most elusive quarterback we've seen in ages and can extend the chalk on plays. And I think Caleb extending the chalk, I'm picking up all this stuff I learned in the meetings this year. (laughs) (laughs) Extending the chalk is going to be the difference. He's going to make one of those plays where you're like, there's no way that play should have been made. And I think that's going to be the difference for SC in Vegas. Yeah. I, if, if, next year when we call games, we should have like a graphic every game. It's like the coachism that we learned as the year has gone on. Extended well, shock. Yeah. You know, we should do a bingo retention, card. Like for, retention. Like do, we should do a bingo card like they do for Walton in basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right. So for, for this one, we got our pregame show starts at 3.30 on the Pac-12 Networks. 90 minutes. It got extended. So excited. Oh, for I can that. update my promo for tonight. Yeah. Thank you, Yogi. Yeah. Yeah. I got you there. Oh, we got extended, baby. You know, uh, one of our media ninety partners. minutes of Aliotti. Aliotti. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. <laughs> Bunch of guests. I think uh, Lander Barton's brother, who plays the Raiders, he might come on. There's some cool NFL guys that that we think will drop in. Of course, SC will be full of alums on the sideline. Uh, but I just put together a reel on Caleb, which is titled "Why He's the Best Player in the Nation," and the first play is him climbing the pocket against Utah, just looking like a really talented quarterback. Perfect. Take your drop, climb the pocket, deal, you're on rhythm, and away you go. Second play is how he crushes your soul, which is the Notre Dame play, where they think they have him, they think they have him. He might have ran 80 yards just to game 35, but you think you have him caged up, as Kyle Whittingham said, is the goal for Utah this week, and he breaks your soul. Third is this discernment. I'm stealing a word from our friend david shaw which we'll talk about in here in a, in a minute uh, his discernment in the run game against notre dame on that zone read play in the second quarter he held it to the last possible second and then kept it and i just think his decision making from early in the season to now his discernment is incredibly impressive four can't forget about his weapons and scheme jordan addison Watch the UCLA game. He's running out of the backfield on a wheel route. Like it's just matchup issues to Ted's point of them coming at you in waves. Lincoln Riley, as good as there is in college football, calling plays, designing plays. And then five is the gamer in him, you know, Oregon State. We're going to show the clip of him on the sideline talking to Lincoln Riley. And Lincoln Riley saying, Hey, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. And then he delivers. And I just, I think it's going to be too much of that in the game. Like I think it'll be back and forth and Cam Rising will ball out. Uh, Jaquin and Jackson will have to ball out for them. They're going to have to run the football. But I think to Ted's point from August in training camp, we, we've been using it all year. As the USC comes at you in waves, I just think it's too much for too long. No breakdown of the USC defense, Yogi? I'll find out in our production meeting if they're allowed. Oh, they, break, no, they break down. We know that. <laughs> yeah. um, a longtime NFL coach the other day I was talking to and had a, as as this person can do 
a magnificent summary of Caleb Williams. And he said, he was the first guy chosen in every playground game when yeah. you're a kid. Why? Because he's the best athlete. That's why you can't bring him down. Was my point was the analogy I made on several of our games this year that it reminded me of watching Cam Newton in that he's just a beast to try to bring down. And that's what this guy said. Well, of course. He said, that's why he was the first kid picked in every playground game growing up. You're the best athlete. Yeah. Great you summary, know, Caleb Williams. So we have Ron Stone Jr. will be a guest analyst. Breaking news as well in Las Vegas. He wants to do TV. We're bringing him on. He played against Caleb. And I have one play that I pulled last night late of, of him doing exactly what you said, trying to bring him down. Yeah. <laughs> and Ron Stone Jr. is as gifted of his edge rusher. He's in the top three or four conversation in this league this year. And it's not like he's a buck 80, you know, he's not a safety big guys can't bring him down. And we'll see for Utah. Does uh, Jonah Ellis play? Does Clark Phillips play? These are two guys that come off the edge. Clark coming off at the nickel spot. He'll play the slot defender if he goes or slot wide receiver. If he goes and then Jonah Ellis, Kyle Whittingham said he's the next great one. So if those two guys don't go, I think it's going to be hard to sustain, but all right. I don't know. It's, so it's so if USC loses, do they still get the CFP? Okay. So I uh, had that went through that conversation last night. Um, let's comp them in Ohio state. So Ohio state's the only one loss team, right? I don't, I think Alabama's out of that conversation. Let's just assume TCU holds. They didn't lose three times. I believe it. It's the Cucaracha theory. They're, they're like Cucaracha, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that theory, but uh, <laughs> Impossible uh, to kill a cockroach. That's a summary of that theory. Copy yes. that. Copy that. Okay, so let's just net that's net net resumes. Ohio State, solid win over Notre Dame, kick off the season at home. Nice win. USC, impressive win, end of the season against Notre Dame. Notre Dame was a different team. You can make plus and minus arguments to me that like nets out equally for both teams. Both have impressive ranked wins on the road. Ohio State rolled Penn State on the road, a tough place to play. We were there when USC beat Oregon State on the road, tough place to play. USC also beat UCLA on the road. That was a sellout, the first sellout in a long time at the Rose Bowl. USC has a one-point loss to the defending champ and a ranked team. Ohio State's resume ends. They have one less game. So if, there was a lot of arguments made this week that I thought were pretty impressive. Of If the season stopped today and nobody there else you go. played, that's it. SC's in. The rest and of it, throw, throw all that other stuff out. Season's over today. USC's in. You can't penalize a team. Well, the committee can do what they want, but it would be wrong in every decent human thought process to penalize a team for playing in its conference championship game. Yeah, and especially this year, like it's not like teams five and six are in a in a heavy argument with team four. You know, there there isn't that this year. Like, it's really clean. And we're going to present uh, George Klyovkov, Martin Hanks, myself, and our team will present tomorrow morning to the CFP committee. And we will talk about this. And we will talk about the resume that I just laid out. And to Ted's yeah. point of, if it's a tight game, like if they get rolled by 30, okay, I get it. But it's not going to happen. If this is a close game and another tight one at the end. Yeah. And I would say the same thing, in my view, TCU is the same boat. Agreed. TCU should not lose its place by losing in its conference championship game, if that's its only loss this year. Yeah. Yeah. And they're playing a repeat team. And you're looking at two teams in three and four in two leagues in the big 12 pack 12 that have done what every other league will do eliminate these divisions because you're not getting good championship games. So to ask TCU to beat a team twice, uh, not easy. And then for SC to avenge a one point loss that I get it. SC fans say they got screwed and Utah fans said, Hey, we got screwed. Our calls were bad too. Like whatever. Um, it was a one point game. It was a great game, hell of a game. And I think we're going to have that again. Like, I don't think anybody on this podcast is saying that Utah's not going to show up. Like they're going to show up. It's going to be physical. It's going to be a battle for four quarters. Um, and if it's tight and Utah wins, awesome. See you at the Rose bowl. But if SC loses tight, I, I'm with you, Ted. I, I don't think, uh, based on this year, that an Ohio State or, God forbid, an Alabama should jump them. They had their chances. They lost. I mean, I, I was of the mindset, you've heard me say this, I was fearful that both of those Big Ten teams were going to be in yeah. no matter what, but the what was a blowout. And Ohio State got blown out on its home field. Blown out. Yeah. That's shocking. And that 
that tilts the tilts the scale. So yeah. by the way, who among us two years ago would have stood up and said, hey, you know, two years from now, here's going to be what happens. Jim Harbaugh is going to be, own the Big Ten. And David Shaw will no longer be the coach at Stanford. Just raise your hand if you thought that two years ago today. It's crazy. Utterly crazy. So what so do you that, think? If, to me, if that isn't a little bit of a microcosm about how insane and anarchic college football is right now, I can't think of a better example than that. Just think about that from two years ago. Yeah, he takes a pay cut, right? Harbaugh does. He's going to, he, you know, he's, yeah. and he, last year he, he thought he had an NFL job. He was out last year, but didn't go right at the end and didn't get the job. But I'm just saying that he owns the Big Ten now. Yeah. Ryan Day has won 92% of his games at Ohio State and is getting crushed. And David Shaw, the most successful coach in the history of Stanford football, is no longer the coach. Just, I mean, who, who two years ago could have never envisioned this. So I'm curious for both of you guys. We flew back Saturday night from our game at Colorado. Like, were you asleep when the news broke? How did you guys first hear about David Shaw stepping away from his coaching duties at Stanford? Well, Twitter. Like, Twitter, of course, Yogi. Come was on. it like midnight or were you like the next morning? <laughs> What's Twitter? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still on it. Um, no, I was still up. I was up. I was... Uh, I, I was watching Secession, I have to admit. I finally caught, I'm trying to get caught up on that. If you've seen that HBO Max thing, it's pretty addictive. That story anyway. hits close to home in your family, doesn't it, Mike? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Fuck there off, Dad. Um, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen the show, I could say that. That's with the yeah. context of a character. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I I can't say I was stunned. I, I mean... The one thing I've always felt like David Shaw is, yes, integrity, everything else. But he always said every time we met with him, all that matters, but you got to win. And for whatever reason, I think he I think he just got too frustrated. The fact that they couldn't win. And I don't think he saw I don't think he saw an out strategy next year because it seems like the only teams that can turn their programs around are through the portal. And that's just not something Stanford's going to be able to use effectively for the near future. And I'm not saying he quit because of the portal. I'm just saying that I think he realized winning was going to be very difficult there. And ultimately maybe David Shaw wanted to give somebody else a try. Cause I don't know if he thought he would be able to figure it out. I don't know any of that. That's just my interpretation of uh, what has happened. Um, well, I'm going to say a few things here and, and many people know Stanford. I, I was around, I've been around the place a long time and uh, I worked there for 13 years. It's um, I'm in that group that I deal with, with my own alma mater a lot. I'm a kind of a subway alum of Stanford. So uh, I, I, the whole football season, I've been saddened for the first time around Stanford football forever working there. Whenever Stanford football was down, the overriding uh, emotion around Stanford in this area was apathy. It's not great, but that was the uh, the emotion. This year, for the first time ever in my time around Stanford, since the mid-80s, it was anger. And I was stunned. Uh, because I hoped that Stanford, probably along with Vanderbilt, would be the last schools in the Power Five that would be infected with the virus of immediate gratification over it's infected here no matter how great a school stanford is there are the core people that support stanford athletics now are thinking the same way as the people at ohio state that are crushing ryan day the people in oregon that are crushing dan lanning after last week's uh oregon state game it's no different here and that to me is sad i'm just sad because it's where the sport is and not, none of us are going to change that. I just thought Stanford would be the last place that would fall to that. So, um, you know, just this is, uh, I think we we pride ourselves in that this is a place you come because you get a little bit more information given what we do. And so uh, I, I come away from this believing that, that uh, this is not something David Shaw wanted. It's not something he wanted. Um, he let something slip Monday in his talk that got away from most people. He let something slip. 
the number five transfers. Yeah. And he he kind of kind of got away from people. But that was, I think David put that in there. My guess is that was somewhat intentional to slip that in because internally, as I've talked about this year, Stanford University has to make some decisions and some adjustments. They've made one. They're going to start allowing undergrad transfers. Now they're going to have to be Stanford eligible, Stanford qualified. You're not going to be open door. You're not going to be going out to junior colleges. No offense, but that's not going to happen at Stanford. But the point is, it was a small step towards acknowledging here's how we have to play football in 2023. That was good news internally. That just happened a few weeks ago. So what would have caused the head coach, the most successful coach in the history of the program, who has done everything the right way and the Stanford way, both, what would cause that person to decide no? We don't know that, but I could say, you know, you might assume that there was going to be some things coming down the line that weren't going to be appealing. And David just said, I don't want to deal with it. Just, just, you know, logical thinking, putting some pieces together. Um, I was struck watching both Saturday's post game, which I watched on YouTube like everyone else. And then, but then the Monday press conference, I was hoping that there would have been a celebratory tone to it because David Shaw is the most successful coach in the history of the Stanford program. Just look at the numbers. Um, And there was nothing celebratory about it. And the look on David's face spoke that. Yet, David Shaw praised Stanford University. He praised Jim Harbaugh, who hired David, brought David to Stanford. And as David acknowledged, they are totally different people. They're not close. But David took and had and had the class to thank Jim Harbaugh and credit Jim Harbaugh for what Jim started by building a different program that was wildly successful. David Shaw handled everything, both post-game Saturday and then Monday, with the incredible amount of integrity and class that we know he has. And that puts a very positive wrap and bow around an unpleasant time. Um, you know, we all know how loyal David Shaw has been to his staff. Well, if if you were not wanting to make staff changes by stepping away, the entire staff just lost their jobs, right? So, I mean, logically you can deduce that this was perhaps not the desired outcome for David Shaw, but his choice was probably the best outcome. Um, and I, I just, I can't say highly enough how, how what we think of David Shaw personally. Um, I, I Before we get into what's next, I want to read this. I mean, this is just, you got, uh, people have heard me talk about the pictures for years, the pictures on the wall, like Doug Baldwin, who had a very, very good career with your old coach, Yogi, um, in Seattle. Doug Baldwin at Stanford didn't have a lot of fun. Didn't have a lot of fun. Used to go in to the defensive office and beg to move to play defense. Richard Sherman didn't have a very good career. I mean, he had a good career at Stanford, didn't have a a most positive experience. Loved David Shaw. And Andrew Luck, in large part, went back to play one more year at Stanford when he would have been the number one draft pick because David Shaw got the head coaching job. See this tweet from Solomon Thomas? Yogi, you probably you. Oh, come on. You guys are the tweet mavens. How the heck do you? Even I see this one. Solomon Thomas, thank you, Coach David Shaw, for caring more about us as young men rather than football players. The winningest coach in history and developed great men. Love you, Coach. That's that's the crystal. That's it right there. And sadly, in college football 2023, as you said, Mike, you better win. And that's, you know, just unfortunate. Where Stanford goes from here is an, is a whole different question. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of views on that, but I'll leave that to those who make those decisions. Yeah, I think echoing what both of you said, what, what I've enjoyed the most, I think, when I think back on our time with David Shaw is, is two moments one you go to practice we've all been thousands of practices and every single practice he would take the time to come over number one talk to the nfl scouts which you'd be surprised every head coach doesn't go do it but come talk to us bring us out to the you know behind the offense 
kind of whisper in our ear. This is what we're thinking about scheme wise. This guy, watch him. This guy, watch that. And then when we'd go into the meetings on Friday, the production meetings, they would be more like campfire. Let's talk life development. Of course, the game. But he was so thoughtful. And that's why I've always loved calling him the conscience of college football. Because I think he is that. And I heard from so many head coaches in our league since he resigned saying like, you know, I want to, I want to, they didn't, they didn't say this exact quote, but their tone was like, we recognize David Shaw was the conscious of the game and I'm going to be the conscious of the game now. And I think the the bar that he set around everything that Solomon tweeted out and you guys have echoed, uh, I think has reverberated to other coaches because we're in this chaotic time of McGrady's portal Palooza coming up on next Monday and coaching changes. I mean, there's seven new coaches in the last two years by the time the dust settles just in our league alone. Northwestern fired a bunch of coaches after going one and 11. Like it is chaotic. And I think head coaches are taking a page, if not a chapter from David Shaw's book and say, okay, how can I be the voice of reason, a voice of calm, a conscious around the sport? How do I just settle the waters? Because it's still dealing with young men who are trying to figure out life. And, and there's a lot thrown at them. And, and a lot of people are saying, go look at that shiny thing there. or Go check out the shiny thing there. And I can pay you over here. Yeah. David's always been one, as he said in his presser, never making rash decisions, being thoughtful in them. Right. And, and I think a lot of coaches are going to reflect that moving forward that have been around. Him. And, and I would also tag that. Well said, Yog. But I mean, look, I mean, we're not going to be ostrich. I'm certainly not going to be an ostrich here. Something went wrong inside Stanford football. I don't know what it is, but it's clear. Yeah. And there was just enough drumbeat coming out that something inside wasn't working right, which certainly had to be the contributor towards what has transpired at Stanford. Another longtime coach uh, this week, when he heard this news, was communicating with me in a beautifully crafted sentence. With success comes conviction that you will do the job on your terms. And I've been around other coaches in the sport that, had that same sense about them and lost jobs in large part because of that. So perhaps that has a little bit of a window into what may have transpired for, with David and Stanford football is again, for this to end this way, when you're the most successful coach in the history of the program, and I won't say the best, because there was John Ralston, Bill Walsh, some great coaches there, but just look at the facts, the most successful coach. And uh, despite what memory fades us, Jim Harbaugh never won the conference there and never went to the Rose Bowl there. David did that. <laughs> and Jim, as David rightly credited, Jim built the foundation without question. He changed the mindset. Um, but David didn't just caretake that. He made that even better. Um, and then you turn into this other insanity that goes on with Arizona State hiring Kenny Dillingham. And what happened the morning of the uh, uh, John Canzano wrote some really good pieces about this, about the Oregon, Oregon state game that we were not around. The betting line goes crazy the morning of the game, because the word gets out that Dillingham's going to take the job at Arizona state. And then in the aftermath of the game, there are a lot of people questioning, was he into the game questioning the play calling, which to me sound, I mean, I think any sane person would, would say that sounds insane, but the mere fact that that's out there, is reality, right? It's the reality today. So when schools, you know, Arizona State feels the urgency to make this hire today, to announce it, I should say today, largely, I'm guessing, Yogi, because of this portal palooza date, it's insane. But look what that, look what doors that open. The betting line, which is real, goes crazy. And now people are questioning, was he into the game? I mean, the Oregon thing's crazy. They're, they're, they're questioning Tosh Lapoy that Dan Lanning's not calling the defense. And now they're questioning the offensive coordinator because he's leaving. It's eh, That's the stuff that is going to drive people like me into the loony bin. <laughs> if, if you've met Kenny Dillingham for 30 seconds, you would not doubt for one second that he was not into the game and 100% focused on finding a way for Oregon to win. Yeah. So I just get, I'm just going to say, because I could say it, that's bullshit. Like, so that's, let's just stop that. Let's just stop it right there. Tanner, baby. Put that mark on our pod. For the we got a lot time, of bleeps Tanner. for me today. Listen. And I just want to spin back to one thing Yogi said. All these guys that want to be the conscience of college football, take a moment to realize that if you are, you've got to put the welfare of others above yourself. And I think that's easier said than done. 
Yeah, I want to pick up David's. I'll pick up for what David brought. I don't know if everyone realizes what David had to sacrifice to do that. So I hope somebody does, but it's not not as easy as I'm going to step in. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Um, FYI, if Oregon won and went to the title, Arizona State would be getting so much pub on Friday night on the broadcast. So for any fan who thinks that his focus was elsewhere, his focus is on recruiting. And if they won, it would have been a recruiting three and a half hour commercial for the Sun Devils. Um, Okay. So Arizona state check excited for Kenny. Like what a opportunity. His press conference was, I mean, first line, he couldn't even finish, right? He was so emotional about coming home. So we'll connect him. We'll get him on the pod for sure. The the ask has been out. Uh, He's on the road recruiting. So we'll get him after signing day, which is December 21st, by the way, Uh, Colorado is still up in the air. I think that one will be done by the end of the week from what Rick George told us this past weekend. Um, and we got the Heisman. Will, will that be announced in the afternoon or in prime time? <laughs> well, that's an interesting, uh, you know, we all know how agents, agents are, you know, I mean, I, even Stanford, you know, Sunday morning, I didn't even know the thing happened at Stanford till Sunday morning because Yogi's text was buzzing my phone, <laughs> woke me up. And, and then suddenly, of course, I read, you know, everybody on everybody online has their list of candidates, all of which are thrown out there by the agents trying to promote their candidates. So I throw much of that, not all of it, but much of that I, I toss away. But the Dion thing has been fascinating because that was... Uh, I'll just say that was a little bit of a sensitive subject around Boulder Saturday where where we were. And uh and now Dion has come out and confirmed that yes, I I was I've been offered the job. Well, usually job offers are like milk cartons. Usually they have an expiration date, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's as we're speaking, it's Wednesday. And this first report came out on Saturday. I would think. I would think, and I don't know this, I would think that the job offer has an expiration date. <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of that commercial, expired, expired, if you yeah. see that with yeah. the ants. So. <laughs> well, the only Power 5 jobs that are open, which is crazy to Ted's point, like here we are on Wednesday after the regular season ended, like usually searches are beginning now. Like this is already, most of them are over with. It's Colorado, Stanford, and Cincinnati. Right? Those are the only three jobs that, that are open. And so if you want a power five job, you know, he's Dion's not going to get the Stanford job. I think we'd all agree on that. Right. So if it's down to Cincinnati, Colorado, <laughs> and USF, I'm done. If that, and I love Dion, by the way, I personally have been around him and I like him a lot. If Dion got the Stanford job, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> Yogi, you'll be the OC, bro. Start it here. Only if we got a camera. Yeah. Film the whole thing. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm with you. Like, I think there's a lot of candidates that want the Colorado job. I think if Dion got it, it would be a lightning rod to that program, right? We talked to Mike Sanford about what does that program need? And he went down a hard road of stability and long-term approach and assistance, not dipping. I mean, we, we had the graphic in our game, their tight end coach had five or six coaches in his five or six years, you know, coaching him like that. That is clearly not the way to win, but man, I, I don't know if Dion would be there for, more than four years, but it'd be an exciting couple so years. So with you. And 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 I'll say, because I said that to Rick George Saturday. <laughs> now, Rick didn't say anything. So um, this is all me. Okay. We'll make sure Rick did not talk about the Dion thing. I just said to him, because I was around Dion in baseball closely for a short period of time, but he is a very, very, uh, let's put it this way. I'm going to tie it back to what we just talked about. What Jim Harbaugh did for Stanford football in 2007, I believe Deion Sanders would do for Colorado football in 2023. Same exact thing. And Bob Bowlesby, man who hired Jim Harbaugh with Bill Walsh's help, and then Bill had passed, but Bob Bowlesby then hired David Shaw. Bob Bowlesby told me this multiple times. He said, when I hired Jim Harbaugh, I would not have hired David Shaw. When I hired David Shaw, I would not have hired Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Brilliant. Point meaning time and place, Don McLean. Thank you. Um, There's a right time. There was a right time for Jim Harbaugh, but then there was the right time for David Shaw. 
to me, for if I'm in Colorado's chair, I know you're going to get a lot of baggage. And we know that a Deion Sanders is not going to stay at Colorado a long time. No one's kidding anybody. But the jolt he would give you in the short term is exactly what you need. You're on the table and you need the paddles as a program. I mean, serious. You have one winning year in 15? Come on. And you're playing power five football. You need a little boom. Dion would do that for you. And that's just me speaking now. I Again, I have no idea where, where the Colorado viewpoint on that is. But that's just one long least, grizzled veteran observer's view. <laughs> you'd get you'd get people in the seats. There'd be a buzz at the very least. Yeah. And theoretically, that would translate to the field. At least you get you get players coming in and you get fans in the stands. And that would be that would be a plus for Colorado right there. And that's the and that goes back to the point about Stanford, where Stanford goes from now. Like some people have, you know, right now there are all kinds of people who've never covered sports that have website things and blogs or whatever, and everybody has an opinion. And I hear Jim Harbaugh's name going out there all the time. That's what they need. Stanford football, to me, absolutely not. They don't need Jim Harbaugh right now. That's not what they need. They need they need credibility. They need stability. They need someone that will obviously confront college football 2023 we all understand that but that's as much the university if not more the university than the coach but you need somebody that's going to be able to bring in a in my view someone with the credibility to bring in a creative staff yeah a creative staff a staff that you actually have other schools coming to take people from right Yog? i mean that's when you know you have a good staff well look i go back to those early years with coach shaw there when they were having all that success a lot of the coaches that were on that staff got plucked. Yeah. Whether it was Lance Taylor, whether it's Mike Bloomgren, whether it's Mike Sanford, like, and I think from a recruiting standpoint, what has happened as of late, it, well, it used to be you get into Stanford, you go. Well, now you get in and it's not just losing a guy to Notre Dame, lost Will Shipley went to Clemson. Like you're losing guys to other programs that normally that didn't happen. So to me, it's, it's a combination of everything that Ted said, but from a recruiting front, um, I'd love to see that staff have that kind of mix there where they really um, they, they get after it in a way that meets what is this year. Cause even to five, the find the five transfers, you got to get after, cause they're not going to fall on your lap. Like, I don't know what the, none of us know what the requirements will be to get in as a transferred student athlete. But once that game plan is laid out for you, there's probably 20 to 30 players that fit that. So who do you want? Like, how do you want to go get it? And you got to go get them because the, the rest of the country is. There isn't a coach that we talked to all season calling games that didn't say, yep, in the offseason, we're going to find an old lineman in the portal. No shit. Like, everybody's going to go find an old lineman or he's going to have to find a defensive end or find a productive wide receiver. There's only so many. So to me, that that will be the thing because Stanford can sell. Like, Stanford can sell something that no one else in America or very few in America can sell with what that degree can do. Right. So there you go. Now that's something because we were at USC this year. We went down to practice before the first game and the Austin Jones topic came up. And what was the USC reaction? So I talked to some people about that the last few days around where I am around this Stanford world. And that's the danger Stanford sometimes runs into is that intellectual arrogance. Yeah. Fair. Can't play that card. You gotta be very careful about playing that card because Austin Jones leaves. Now, it was largely driven by football. You know, EJ Smith was going to be the running back at Stanford this year. And so Austin Jones said, I'm going to go somewhere else then. Well, USC people say, wait a minute, our degree is fine. <laughs> when you start talking that way about the Stanford degree, you're immediately diminishing everyone else's degree. Be careful about that. That's all I'm saying. That, that, yeah. that I've been around Stanford a long, long time. That act really doesn't play well in very many other quarters well and let's just be real about college football and transfer portal different than high school players are not transferring because of the degree of course they're transferring right. because of football right like period end of story so when you can have a place like call it sc or ucla ucla is the coolest grad program i've come across in college football in terms of transferring and transferring into something that isn't just or whatever class like you and they're going to get something really out of the coaching and leadership program they have but yeah and i think in addition to that what what colorado said this does colorado players now look at brennan rice mckay blackman and um blanking on the state mark perry at tcu and say 
the guys left and had a lot of success. And now everybody who left Colorado didn't have that type of success. There's another 17 guys that aren't oh, yeah. playing for a CFP. Right. But I think that narrative could start growing within your locker room. Of, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go. That's pretty cool. So that, that'll be job number one. Like yeah. when I saw Jonathan McGill enter the portal, they're starting safety mm-hmm. team captain. Yeah. And I was just bummed on that, man. I can be honest with you. Yeah. Well, you've, and you've had a couple of, I, I've, I've actually watched this. A couple of starred recruits have already decommitted and that's all, it's always going to happen when you have a coaching change, right? I mean, everybody's going to be becoming a free agent again. Um, the, other, the other thing I would just suggest about the Stanford thing. Um, and it goes to my point about like right now, I don't think a Jim Harbaugh type, and there aren't very many Jim Harbaugh types, but I don't think that's what Stanford right now needs. Um, you have to be careful when you go to a private school as a product of a private school. Myself, I will tell you this, private schools have various levels of complexity, just what they are. On the complexity scale, Stanford may be toward the higher end of complexity. Fighting within is not what I think Stanford football would would benefit from right now. Fighting outside is fine. You want to fight and compete your tail off. That's recruiting, portaling, all that stuff, great. Fighting within right now, not good. There's too much crazy change going on. And as David Shaw said, and I will even amend that, I think Stanford moves. That itself is a banner headline. If Stanford ever moves in anything, it's a banner headline. And if they do move, they move slowly. That's going to be the same case here. They're being pushed to move a little more quickly because of the craziness around them. But you need to work with the university on this. Um, and, and, and an addendum that applies to the football conversation, uh, Stanford men's basketball, every player has an NIL deal this year. Donor Collective got together. You know, the, a lot of other schools are publicizing this stuff and putting it out there. We, we know schools in our conference are doing it. Um, Stanford's not necessarily publicizing it, but they have one in place. So every men's basketball player this year is receiving an NIL fee, whatever phrase you want to use for it. So again, for Stanford, this is, and and it's not anything that's going to keep anybody or attract anybody, but it's a start is where I'm going. So I'm assuming the same thing will happen in football and these will be starts, but Stanford isn't going to compete with a $6 million NIL guy, which goes into my last point I promise I'll make about what 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 we see in our conference this past Saturday. So I got home Saturday night from Boulder in time to watch the fourth quarter of the Apple Cup. I didn't even think about, sadly, think about the Stanford game. The Apple Cup was terrific. Washington, 700 yards, 51 points on the other, on the rivals field when the rivals defense has played pretty well this year. Wow. So if you don't tell me that right now we have, what a flip in a year in this conference because of the quarterback play largely new coaches have also contributed offense what's undervalued right now defense so if i'm sitting in stanford's chair i would just sit there and go okay am i ever going to get caleb williams in my school through the portal with the millions in nil money probably not michael Penix, probably not let alone i'm not sure what their qualifications are to be admitted to the school to begin with but I'm not going to be able to compete for those. Jordan Addison, probably not. How do I how do I best contend with that in my own league? What's undervalued right now is defense. That's just a thought, but it's something that I thought about a lot. Watching the fourth quarter of that app, I was watching it on the plane, but you know, on the plane you can't. But at home, going, this is unbelievable. This guy's shredding a pretty good defense, and that's yeah. great credit to Penix and Washington. But man, tells me I'm I'm gonna go find the team that went nine and three this year with quarterback play that was nowhere near the level of most everyone else in its league. Oregon State. And he just got an extension. Yep. Trent Frey just got a nice extension as he should. Yogi, I gotta I gotta ask you, Yogi. How does Oregon State win that game when they don't throw a pass from like the end of the third quarter on? How can Oregon not stop the run when they everybody in the building knows it's coming? I, Jim Mahalchek, baby. I, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I had a chance to talk to Jonathan after the game. And, you know, he's just obviously so jacked about the win and the team. But to do it in that manner against a team that is built on physicality and to Ted's point, like 
defensive minded head coach. Um, I think it speaks not that head coach I'm saying, but, but having a defensive coordinator that, right. Yeah. I'm saying to do it to Oregon. Oh, right. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Right. And and that's why like tomorrow when we talk to the committee, just to get on my high horse here for a minute, the fact that I see uh, some of the teams ranked higher than Oregon state, that will be felt tomorrow on our call because if things fall, let's say Clemson loses, Kansas state loses, Utah loses. Oregon State needs to be pushed to be a top 12 team. Yeah. Like they're why are they behind Florida State? I get the LSU win against Alabama that is dramatically valued, but if LSU loses, Oregon State needs to be considered as a top 12 team and is there a world if things break, it'll be really hard. But we're talking about New Year's Six Bowls. Oregon State we should be talking about them in that regard when you look at how those bowls will be configured. Um, and think about that. They're, worst case scenario, it's a top 15 year for Oregon State. Yeah. Think about that. And let's face it, if USC wins the champ game, you have Washington sitting there. Oh, yeah. Rose Bowl. I'm saying yeah. in Utah. And look, great. I mean, you know how much I feel about Utah, but that's four losses. Okay. Yeah. So if you're a four loss Utah team, how does that go, team go to the Rose Bowl ahead of Washington? Or yeah, Oregon yeah. State. And of course, you could say Utah beat Oregon State head to head, which they did, but that doesn't seem to matter very much because look where Alabama's, you know, Tennessee beat Alabama, right? Alabama's ranked ahead of them. Yep, you're exactly right. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Like the LS, to me, the LSU, Florida State, Oregon State thing will be a dynamic to track on Tuesday of next week um, as you look at the bowls and where they're slotted. Because right now, the Cotton Bowl, it would be the one. It's going to be, as of today, Tulane which is the group of five versus whoever that next qualifier is. So today it'd be Florida state, or we assume it'd be Florida state based on the, somebody's going to lose ahead of them. Um, all right. So with that said, uh, we, we got the Heisman coming up, Ted. Um, we're going to talk about that a ton next week. Uh, and we got to get to Michael's humanity moment of the week. So I got to get a haircut to get ready for the title game here. Um, taxi Mike, taxi Mike's going to be here in five minutes. So okay. Gotta, so uh, can, can I get off my soapbox now, Michael? Is that all right? Uh, Ted, yes or no? Michael Penix Jr. on your Heisman ballot. Uh, right now, very, very likely. Okay. Yeah, he's a yes for me. Um, all right, Michael, humanity moment of the week. Take us home. All right. Well, uh, Ted's a developing young man about David Shaw. So anyway, kind of segues into this. Uh, the most important element for a species survival is procreation. I'm not going to focus on the six to 45 second fun part, but the humanity involved in the 18 to 20 years of nurturing your children. Um, the last few weeks, we've met some great parents. Uh, we, after the Oregon State Cal game, we ran into Jack Coletto's parents. Not surprisingly, they're incredibly down to earth, but they were so proud of their son and his adaptability over his career. That's what stuck out to me. I can only imagine their faces after the Oregon win this Saturday. Um, And speaking with Michael Penix Jr. twice this year, although we didn't get to meet his parents, you could tell they did an admirable job by witnessing the man his son has become. One thing Penix told us that stood out, my father held me accountable on and off the field. In this day of everyone gets a trophy and constructive criticism is an endangered species, here's hoping holding kids accountable might regain some popularity. And then this weekend, Maybe my favorite parents of the year, we met Clark and Vicki Kincaid. They were staying at our hotel. Clark was hanging out as we had our end of year uh, send off. And we talked to him for a little bit. Uh, I sat with him for a bit. He talked about living in Boston and Southern California, both places I have lived. He barely mentioned his son in football. You know, he's proud of him and his accomplishments, but definitely not living vicariously through his son who had the 234 receiving yards versus USC. At some point, I mentioned my wife, Melanie, might be shifting from television to the airline industry. So the next morning, I'm at breakfast, and here comes Vicki Kincaid, who happens to be a flight attendant, who has her email, her cell phone. I want your wife to call me. Your husband said you were so great. So she's offering to help my wife uh, try to get a job with one of the airlines that she works for. And it was just amazing. So fast forward to two hours before the game. Uh, due to some red tape, we lost a microphone. We are going to put on a Colorado player. So I'm like, oh, why don't I give Vicky a call? So I ask her, hey, could you wear a mic for us? We are, she's like, well, I think my husband would like to do it for sure. Where do you need us to sit? When do you want us there? It was not anything I was putting them out of. They just wanted to be part of it. And if you saw the game, there, there was a great moment where Dalton scores a touchdown. 
Uh, they go crazy. They were very, it was just, it was a fun moment. And it really brought us into the parents. We got a whole topic of parents at the game and it was a great moment, great TV moment. And, you know, I can't thank them enough. So anyway, what jumps out at me when I think of Dalton Kincaid? It's not his athleticism for his size. It's not the numbers against USC. It's not the fact that he only played one year of high school football, or that he's likely the top draft pick from the Pac-12 this season. What jumps out to me most is no matter what the situation, whether things are going his way or not on the field, he's always smiling. Couldn't figure that out exactly why, but after meeting his parents, I think I now know. Yeah, the essence of the job is is really cool. 11 years, right, Ted? We've all been doing this. Nice. People. So, Yogi, can I, Michael, can I tag on to your uh, thing there? You Please. used a phrase that really hit home with me. Nurturing children. Look at Yogi and look at me. You just finished nurturing us through a year. <laughs> and our, our <laughs> awesome crew which we all had a wonderful gathering in Boulder Friday night. Even Sco, who wasn't able to be there, but uh, but Michael Molinari, you know, you you talk about nurturing children. Mm. He's raised a brood of us knuckleheads <laughs> for how many years now and done it brilliantly, brilliantly. Huh. So therefore, I'm hoping, Michael, that we will, maybe the 12 of us or 14 of us in the core crew will be allowed to be global members of air molinari when melanie starts that is that okay <laughs> let's go Thank if you. anyone could make that happen it's her for oh, sure i love it all right guys have a great basketball night uh, we'll talk after the champ game heisman trophy week cfp will be set and we'll see where we net out next week everybody stay safe as always yogi you're, yogi you're going to vegas going don't to vegas. let him don't let it roll okay <laughs> Don't. I won't. I'm just going to hang out with the professor yeah. the whole time. We'll be good. Yeah, let him, he forgot to let him say what he needs to say at the end there. Say yeah, it, and we're presented by Bet Online. See you in Vegas, all. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.